A stalemate on the front line as increasing airstrikes target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv. strikes no longer appeared to be aimed at disrupting just critical or strategic military infrastructure in the country. A recent attack on a dam in the Herson region, which both sides blame on each other. And is Ukraine's long-awaited counter-offensive finally getting underway? There has been a lot of chatter, speculation about the counter-offensive for a while now. Ukrainian President Zelensky recently announced that preparations for this are complete. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading medical and security risk management business. I'm Chris Giles. Well, this is the podcast where we provide you with timely analysis and tactical insight for your organisation. And in this episode, we're focusing on the ongoing conflict in Ukraine and offering insight about what could happen next and advice to keep you and your workforce safe. Barney Gampier is a senior security specialist from the information and analysis team in Dubai and has been monitoring all the latest developments. So, Barney, what's your assessment of the conflict right now? Thank you, Chris. By and large, there is a stalemate currently at the front lines fighting around Bakhmut in Donetsk province, which has been the site of the longest battle in the conflict yet has stalled. Russia claims to be in control of the city since late May. However, Ukraine has reported that their troops are still present in key locations, particularly in the western fringes of the city where where they are trying to keep up pressure. Meanwhile, since late April, we have also seen a significant uptick in Russian aerial strikes across Ukraine, including multiple strikes targeting the capital, Kyiv. For instance, Kyiv has been targeted by airstrikes on 17 different occasions in May alone. And how are Ukrainian forces coping with the frequency of these airstrikes? So Ukraine's air defence systems have responded really well to these strikes and majority of them have been intercepted. For instance, overnight on 25th, 26th May, the defence systems are said to have intercepted 58 out of 59 drones launched across the country. This, of course, has been made possible to a large extent by advanced air defense systems being given to Ukraine by its Western allies, including the US. However, we have still seen some casualties in recent days caused by falling debris or resulting fires. A final point to note here is that these airstrikes come amid a very widely anticipated Ukrainian counteroffensive. Well, let's talk about that in a little while, but I just wanted to talk about the airstrikes that have been um, happening above Kyiv. And just to ask you, really, what's different about what's been happening recently to, to what's happened previously during the conflict? There are a few notable things about the recent airstrikes. Firstly, besides drones, cruise missiles and rockets, Russia has also used very sophisticated land-based ballistic missiles, most of which have been intercepted. Secondly, some of these strikes have occurred in the daytime, which is not the typical pattern of Russian aerial strikes that we have seen so far in Ukraine. Nonetheless, majority still occur at night. And finally, the airstrikes no longer appeared to be aimed at disrupting just critical or strategic military infrastructure in the country. Instead, they seem to be conducted to overwhelm Ukrainian air defense systems 
deplete their stocks of valuable and advanced air defense missiles and expose different locations of the country's air defense systems. The general tactic is also to impact morale and resolve in Ukraine, including among the civilian population. I was going to say, can we talk about how we think it's affecting daily life for people in Kyiv right now to have this constant fear of attacks from the air? Yeah, so civilians are being forced to stay inside bomb shelters, for instance, metro stations, basements, for days on end. They they wake up and they are wo- actually woken up by the sounds of air raids and they they don't know when these sirens will go off. So essentially, they are having to hide in these basements, not knowing when they can come out, whether it's safe for them to come out. And then, even though we know that majority of these strikes are being intercepted, there is still that fear of fires, explosions happening, apartment blocks being damaged and falling down, and in that process causing not just infrastructure damage, but also casualties. Now, with all that happening, a lot of commentators have been anticipating that Ukraine would be launching some sort of counteroffensive. They've been talking about it for some time. But do you think now, given what's happening in Kyiv and elsewhere, that things are beginning to ratchet up at all? You're right. There has been a lot of chatter, speculation about the counteroffensive for a while now. Ukrainian President Zelensky recently announced that preparations for this counteroffensive are complete and it is expected to involve approximately 60,000 troops. And in fact, we are now seeing reports of an escalation in fighting in Donetsk and Zaporizhia provinces in the east and the southeast of the country. Russia has also claimed that its forces repelled a quote-unquote major Ukrainian offensive in Donetsk on 4th June and killed 250 Ukrainian troops. These claims have not been independently verified, and it's not exactly clear whether this marks the start of the long-anticipated counteroffensive. However, it's important to note that we are already in summer season, and the offensive is likely to be imminent. So what do you think a Ukrainian counteroffensive would look like if and when it were to happen? Sure. So something to monitor in this regard would be a sustained escalation in fighting across the front line in the east. But also to note that it's not going to be a case where Ukrainian officials will announce the official start date. In terms of what a counteroffensive would look like, if we were to compare it to the counteroffensive and the gains made by Ukraine in the latter half of 2022 in Kharkiv and Kherson provinces, then there will be some differences. The reason is that Ukraine previously was able to make gains because they targeted areas where Russian positions were weak. However, this time round, the front lines are more static and Russian forces have had several months to consolidate their positions. Thus, Ukraine will encounter stronger resistance in the face of heavily mined barriers to break Russian defense lines. Additionally, Ukrainian troops will need to cross natural defensive barriers, such as the Dnipro River. 
and recently flooding caused by destruction at the Kakovka Dam in Kherson provinces on 6th of June will further complicate maneuvers in downstream areas and may also impact availability of water supplies in Kherson. Now, this is not to say that Ukraine will not make any territorial gains, but I think there may be unrealistic expectations among some of Ukraine's Western partners when it comes to the length and intensity of the fight ahead. And meanwhile, Russia itself has come under attack as well. So could I ask you, how does that compare to what Ukraine has been experiencing of late? So far, the impact in Russia has been mainly seen in the border areas. There have been several cross-border strikes targeting Russian fuel depots and infrastructure. For instance, in Belgorod region, we have seen shelling. In Bryansk region, explosions targeting railway lines resulted in the killing of four civilians on 30th April, according to Russian authorities. Now, notably, in the past few weeks, there have been some incidents further afield including the capital Moscow, though these have not resulted in significant damage. For instance, on 30th May, at least eight drone strikes were reported in Moscow, thus marking the first large-scale drone attack in Russia since the start of the conflict. Five were intercepted, while according to Russian reports, three drones were jammed, causing them to strike residential areas of the city. No serious casualties were reported, and Russian officials accused Ukraine of launching the strikes in retaliation for attacks on Kyiv. Ukraine has not officially claimed responsibility for these attacks. These incidents are notable. However, we expect any further attacks to remain concentrated in the border regions, but we can see limited spillover impact elsewhere in Russia. Given what's been happening, what advice can we give managers to help them plan during this time of uncertainty? What should they be advising their workforce with regards to what's going on currently in the conflict? So security managers with people in Kyiv or elsewhere in Ukraine should ensure that they are very closely monitoring the status of fighting particularly now that we are seeing signs that the counteroffensive may have begun. In addition to that, continuously monitoring the pace of airstrikes, trends of the airstrikes, whether they are taking place mostly in daytime, what types of targets are being impacted primarily, because ultimately these airstrikes will impact movement. They will impact how easily their workforce can move around, work, and essentially live. So it's important to ensure that people in country have access to a shelter that has been identified close to their accommodation in the event of air raids or artillery shelling. Managers should also ensure that their workforce have adequate supplies of food, water, backup, power and other essentials to to support a standfast period of at least 72 hours. And if anyone is planning to undertake overland movement, then to prepare in advance for emergency situations, including shelling, potential for vehicle breakdown, adverse weather conditions, or high demand for accommodation in certain areas. 
Route selection should also be informed by local intelligence. Factors for consideration should include use by Ukrainian military, which could be potential targets for airstrikes, traffic, checkpoints, infrastructure damage, any vulnerable points on the route, for instance, any government or security force installations. And then finally, to be informed of latest developments through verified sources like local government sources, diplomatic missions and and through our alerts. Okay, Barney, thank you so much for all your analysis and advice. Thank you for having me, Chris. Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder that you'll be able to access the latest information and updates on the situation in Ukraine from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.